Chapter Three, Part Two of The Sea Its Stirring Story of Adventure, Peril, and Heroism, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Sea Its Stirring Story of Adventure, Peril, and Heroism, Volume One by frederick wimper chapter three part two the actual experiences of intelligent sailors or voyagers written by themselves have of course a greater practical value than the sea stories of clever novelists while the latter as a class confine themselves very much to the quarter-deck dana's two years before the mast is so well known that few of our readers need to be told that it is the story of an american student who had undermined his health by over-application and who took a voyage via cape horn to california in order to recover it but the old brig pilgrim bound to the northern pacific coast for a cargo of hides was hardly a fair example in some respects of an ordinary merchant vessel to say nothing of a fine clipper or modern steamship dana's experiences were of the roughest type and may be read by boys anxious to go to sea with advantage if taken in conjunction with those of others many of them are common to all grades of sea service a little work by a sailor-boy published some years ago gives a very fair idea of a seaman's lot in the royal navy and the two stories in conjunction present a fair average view of sea life and its duties passing over the young sailor-boy's admission to the training ship the guard hoe as he terms it we find his first days on board devoted to the mysteries of knots and hitch-making, in learning to lash hammocks, and in rowing, and in acquiring the arts of feathering and tossing an oar. Incidentally, he gives us some information on the etiquette observed in boats passing with an officer on board. For a lieutenant, the coxswain only gets up and takes his cap off, for a captain, the boat's crew lay on their oars, and the coxswain takes his cap off, and for an admiral, the oars are tossed, i.e. raised perpendicularly, not thrown in the air, and all caps go off. Who would not be an admiral? While in this instruction he received his sailor's clothes, a pair of blue cloth trousers, two pairs of white duck ditto, two blue serge and two white frocks, two pairs of white jumpers, two caps, two pairs of stockings, a knife, and a marking type. As soon as he is made a sailor by these means, he was ordered to the masthead, and tells with glee how he was able to go up outside by the futok shrouds, and not through lubber's hole. The reader doubtless knows that the lubber's hole is an open space between the head of the lower mast and the edge of the top it is so named from the supposition that a landlubber would prefer that route the french call it the trou du chat the hole through which the cat would climb next he commenced cutlass drill followed by rifle drill big gun practice instruction in splicing and all useful knots and in using the compass and lead line 
he was afterwards sent on a brig for a short sea cruise having says he to run aloft without shoes was a heavy trial to me and my feet often were so sore and blistered that i have sat down in the tops and cried with the pain yet up i had to go and furl and loose my sails and up i did go blisters and all sometimes the pain was so bad i could not move smartly and then the unmerited rebuke from a thoughtless officer was as gall and wormwood to me dana in speaking of the incessant work on board any vessel says a ship is like a lady's watch always out of repair when for example in a calm the sails hanging loosely the hot sun pouring down on deck and no way on the vessel which lies as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean there is always sufficient work for the men in setting up the rigging which constantly requires lightening and repairing in picking oakum for caulking in brightening up the metalwork and in holy stoning the deck the holy stone is a large piece of porous stone which is dragged in alternate ways by two sailors over the deck sand being used to increase its effect it obtains its name from the fact that sunday morning is a very common time on many merchant vessels for cleaning up generally the daily routine of our young sailor on the experimental cruises gave him plenty of employment in his own words it was as follows commencing at five a m turn hands up holy stone or scrub upper deck coil down ropes half past six breakfast half an hour call the watch watch below clean the upper deck watch on deck clean wood and brass work put the upper decks to rights eight a m hands to quarters clean guns and arms division for inspection prayers make sail reef topsails furl topsails top gallant sails royals reef courses down top gallant and royal yards this continued till eight bells twelve o'clock dinner one hour all hands again cutlass rifle and big gun drill till four o'clock clear up decks coil up ropes and then our day's work is done then they would make little trips to sea many of them to experience the woes of seasickness for the first time but the boys on the clean and well-kept training brig were better off in all respects than poor dana when first ordered aloft he tells us i had not got my sea-legs on was dreadfully seasick with hardly strength to hold on to anything and it was pitch dark how i got along i cannot now remember i laid out on the yards and held on with all my strength i could not have been of much service for i remember having been sick several times before i left the topsail yard soon all was snug aloft and we were again allowed to go below this i did not consider much of a favour for the confusion of everything below and that inexpressibly sickening smell caused by the shaking up of bilge water in the hold made the steerage but an indifferent refuge to the cold wet decks i had often read of the nautical experiences of others but i felt as though there could be none worse than mine 
for in addition to every other evil i could not but remember that this was only the first night of a two years voyage when we were all on deck we were not much better off for we were continually ordered about by the officer who said that it was good for us to be in motion yet anything was better than the horrible state of things below i remember very well going to the hatchway and putting my head down when i was oppressed by nausea and felt like being relieved immediately we can fully recommend the example of dana who acting on the advice of the black cook on board munched away at a good half pound of salt beef and hard biscuit which washed down with cold water soon he says made a man of him some little explanation of the mode of dividing time on board ship may be here found useful a watch is a term both for a division of the crew and of their time a full watch is four hours at the expiration of each four hours commencing from twelve o'clock noon the men below are called in these or similar terms all the starboard or port watch ahoy eight bells the watch from four p m to eight p m is divided on a well-regulated ship into two dog watches the object of this is to make an uneven number of periods seven instead of six so that the men change the order of their watches daily otherwise it will be seen that a man who on leaving port stood in a particular watch from twelve noon to four p m would stand in the same watch throughout the voyage and he who had two night watches at first would always have them the periods of the dog watches are usually devoted to smoking and recreation for those off duty as the terms involved must occur frequently in this work it is necessary also to explain for some readers the division of time itself by bells the limit is eight bells which are struck at twelve four and eight o'clock a m or p m the ship's bell is sounded each half hour half past any of the above hours is one bell struck sharply by itself at the hour two strokes are made sharply following each other expressing the strokes by signs half past twelve would be stroke one representing one stroke one o'clock would be stroke two two strokes sharply struck one after the other half past one stroke two stroke one two o'clock stroke two stroke two half past two stroke two stroke two stroke one three o'clock stroke two stroke two stroke two half past three stroke two stroke two stroke two stroke one and four o'clock stroke two stroke two stroke two stroke two or eight bells the process is then repeated in the next watch and the only disturbing element comes from the elements which occasionally when the vessel rolls or pitches greatly cause the bell to strike without leave seamen before the mast are divided into three classes able ordinary and boys in the merchant service a green hand of forty may be rated as a boy a landsman must ship for boy's wages on the first voyage 
merchant seamen rate themselves in other words they cause themselves to be entered on the ship's books according to their qualifications and experience there are few instances of abuse in this matter and for good reason apart from the disgrace and reduction of wages and rating which would follow woe to the man who sets himself up for an able-bodied when he should enter as a boy for the rest of the crew consider it a fraud on themselves the vessel would be short-handed of a man of the class required and their work would be proportionately increased no mercy would be shown to such an impostor and his life on board would be that of a dog but anything rather than that of a jolly sea-dog there are lights in the sailor's chequered life seamen are shakespeare tells us but men and if we are to believe dibden grog is a decided element in their happier hours grog is now a generic term but it was not always one admiral vernon who persisted in wearing a grogram tunic so much that he was known among his subordinates as old grog earned immortality of a disagreeable nature by watering the rum ration of the navy to its present standard at eleven thirty a m on all ships of the royal navy nowadays half a gill of watered rum two parts of water to one of the stronger drink is served out to each of the crew unless they have forfeited it by some act of insubordination the officers including the petty officers draw half a gill of pure rum the former put it into the general mess and many never taste it six water grog is a mild form of punishment splicing the main brace infers extra grog served out for extraordinary service formerly and indeed as late as forty odd years ago the daily ration was a full gill but as sailors traded and bartered their drinks among themselves it would happen once in a while that one would get too much on board it has happened occasionally in consequence that a seaman has tumbled overboard or fallen from the yards or rigging and has met an inglorious death boys are not allowed grog in the royal navy and there is no absolute rule among merchant vessels in the american navy there is a coin allowance in lieu of rum and every nation has its own peculiarities in this matter in the french navy wine very ordinaire and a little brandy is issued there are shadows too in the sailor's life as a rule he brings them on himself but by no means always if sailors are but men officers rank in the same category and occasionally act like brutes so much has been written on the subject of the naval cat a punishment once dealt out for most trifling offences and not abolished yet that the writer has some diffidence in approaching the subject a volume might be written on the theme let the testimony of dr stables a surgeon of the royal navy suffice it shall be told in his own words one item of duty there is which occasionally devolves on the medical officer and for the most part goes greatly against the feeling of the young surgeon i refer to his compulsory attendance at floggings 
it is only fair to state that the majority of captains and commanders use the cat as seldom as possible and that too only sparingly in some ships however flogging is nearly as frequent as prayers of a morning again it is more common on foreign stations than at home and boys of the first or second class marines and ordinary seamen are for the most part the victims we were at anchor in simon's bay all the minutiae of the scene i remember as though it were but yesterday the morning was cool and clear the hills clad in lilac and green sea-birds floating high in air and the waters of the bay reflecting the blue of the sky and the lofty mountain sides forming a picture almost dreamlike in its quietude and serenity the men were standing about in groups dressed in their whitest of pantaloons bluest of smocks and neatest of black silk neckerchiefs by and by the culprit was led in by a file of marines and i went below with him to make the preliminary examination in order to report whether or not he might be fit for the punishment he was as good a specimen of the british mariner as one could wish to look upon hardy bold and wiry his crime had been smuggling spirits on board needn't examine me doctor said he i ain't afeard of their four dozen they can't hurt me sir leastwise my back you know my breast though hum hum and he shook his head rather sadly i thought as he bent down his eyes what said i have you anything the matter with your chest nay doctor nay it's my feelings they'll hurt i've a little girl at home that loves me and bless you sir i won't look her in the face again nohow i felt his pulse no lack of strength there no nervousness the artery had the firm beat of health the tendons felt like rods of iron beneath the finger and his biceps stood out hard and round as the mainstay of an old seventy-four all hands had already assembled the men and boys on one side and the officers in cocked hats and swords on the other a grating had been lashed against the bulwark and another placed on deck beside it the culprit's shoulders and back were bared and a strong belt fastened around the lower part of the loins for protection he was then firmly tied by the hands to the upper and by the feet to the lower grating a little basin of cold water was placed at his feet and all was now prepared the sentence was read and orders given to proceed with the punishment the cat is a terrible instrument of torture i would not use it on a bull unless in self-defence the shaft is about a foot and a half long and covered with green or red baize according to taste the thongs are nine about twenty-eight inches in length of the thickness of a goose quill and with two knots tied on each men describe the first blow as like a shower of molten lead combing out the thongs with his five fingers before each blow firmly and determinedly was the first dozen delivered by the boatswain's mate and as unflinchingly received then one dozen sir please he reported saluting the commander continue the punishment was the calm reply a new man and a new cat another dozen reported 
Again the same reply. Three dozen. The flesh, like burning steel, had changed from red to purple, and blue, and white, and between the third and fourth dozen the suffering wretch, pale enough now, and in all probability sick, begged a comrade to give him a mouthful of water. There was a tear in the eye of the hardy sailor who obeyed him, whispering as he did so, "'Keep up, Bill. It'll soon be over now.' Five, six, the corporal slowly counted. Seven, eight. It is the last dozen, and how acute must be the torture. Nine, ten. The blood comes now fast enough. And, yes, gentle reader, I will spare your feelings— the man was cast loose at last and put on the sick list he had borne his punishment without a groan and without moving a muscle a large pet monkey sat crunching nuts in the rigging and grinning all the time i have no doubt he enjoyed the spectacle immensely for he was only an ape dr stables gives his opinion on the use of the cat in honest and outspoken terms he considers corporal punishment as applied to men cowardly cruel and debasing to human nature and as applied to boys brutal and sometimes even fiendish the writer has statistics before him which prove that four hundred and fifty six cases of flogging boys took place in eighteen seventy five and that only seven men were punished during that year there is every probability that the use of the naval cat will ere long be abolished, and, important as is good discipline on board ship, there are many leading authorities who believe that it can be maintained without it. The captain of a vessel is its king, reigning in a little world of his own, and separated for weeks or months from the possibility of reprimand if he is a tyrannical man he can make his ship a floating hell for all on board a system of fines for small offences has been proposed and the idea has this advantage that in case they prove on investigation to have been unjustly imposed the money can be returned the disgrace of a flogging sticks to a boy or man and besides as a punishment is infinitely too severe for most of the offences for which it is inflicted it would be a cruel punishment were the judge infallible but with an erring human being for an irresponsible judge the matter is far worse and that good seamen are deterred from entering the royal navy knowing that the commission of a peccadillo or two may bring down the cat on their unlucky shoulders is a matter of fact we shall meet the sailor on the sea many a time and again during the progress of this work and see how hardly he earns his scanty reward in the midst of the awful dangers peculiar to the elements he dares shakespeare says that he is a man whom both the waters and the wind in that vast tennis court hath made the ball for them to play on that the men of all others who have made england what she is have not altogether a bed of roses even on a well-conducted vessel whilst they may lose their lives at any moment by shipwreck and sudden death george herbert says praise the sea but keep on land 
and while the present writer would be sorry to prevent any healthy capable adventurous boy from entering a noble profession he recommends him to first study the literature of the sea to the best and fullest of his ability our succeeding chapter will exhibit some of the special perils which surround the sailor's life whilst it will exemplify to some extent the qualities specially required and expected from him End of chapter 3, part 2